Welcome to Pro Se, Law360's weekly podcast. I'm your host, Amber McKinney, and I'm here with my co-host, Alex Lawson. Hello, Amber. Uh, this is a favorite show of ours, a little bit later than normal this year, but we are revisiting uh, the best of the offbeat segment. Uh, we often joke about building the entire show out of the offbeat segment, and once a year, we actually follow through with that conviction. I'm always super happy about this episode. Um, revisiting these, I forget some of the things we've talked about throughout the year, so it's always just nice to to take a look back on the ones that made us laugh the most. Yes, um, and before we get to them, we should just uh, address the elephant in the room. Uh, we will hear a voice from beyond the grave. Uh, voices. Uh, this is the. It's it, it's the season for the ghosts of Christmas past. It's also the ghosts of pro se past. We will hear uh, from Bill Donahue a couple times. Um, And frankly, that's the last I want to hear from him. Uh, (laughs) This is a necessary evil because he was a very integral part of the show for much of the year. And so uh, uh, it'll be nice to hear from him again and then never again. So, uh, yeah. You you know, you say he's banned, but I say he could come (laughs) back on as a guest someday. But, you know, you know, that's for future us to sort out. Um, the very you first really thing- shouldn't spring stuff like that on me on the air. That needs to be the subject <laughs> of much deliberation uh, among the entire production team. No, yes. Sure, um, sure. Um, but yes. Well, the very first one we're going to dip back into today, we will hear Bill talking. Um, this one's all about sort of the evolution of the lawyer joke. So it, this segment essentially explains really all of Offbeat and everything that we do uh, in this program. We like to end our show with something offbeat. And Bill, what do you have to talk about with us today? We just wanted to send everyone to go read uh, a very good story that that um, we have up on our Law 360 Pulse. It's a new thing we're doing at Law 360. Very interesting legal industry, business of law coverage. Um, it was written by Kara Bayless, who has been on the show a number of times. Great reporter. She wrote... Um, a fairly exhaustive history of the lawyer joke. Uh, I love and that. It is excellent. I mean, it's one of those things where I don't know if anyone listens to Slate's Decoder Ring podcast where they they yeah. take a thing that you've heard of. They did they did one on Murphy's Law. They did one on all sorts of just different sort of pop culture phenomena and break down the backstory of it and why it came to be. And that's what this story has the feel of, of going through, you know, this lawyer joke that everyone has heard a million times. I'm sure particularly if you are a lawyer, uh, you have heard many of them. Well, I think that this is so perfect because um, I vividly remember one of my law school professors that when you walked into his lecture room, um, every class he would have on the screen as you walked in a different lawyer joke or like lawyer cartoon or whatever. And I think every law school has one of those guys like, there's always like a handful of lawyers who absolutely loathe the lawyer joke, never want to hear another one. But then you've got that other camp where they're like, nah, these are great. I, I'm I'm going to show you one at the beginning of every class. Well, I think I think the lawyers that I like are the ones who sort of recognize that there is a kernel of truth in a lot of these jokes. And, sure. um, you know, you don't have to be the asshole that it sort of spawned them, but you can, um, you know, you can still sort of giggle when you when you joke about the stereotypes. The story is really good, though. Everyone should go read it. It starts. It goes all the way back to ancient Greek drama. Um we, People have we, hated lawyers from the very beginning. That's what that's taught me. 
it's awesome. I mean, and then there's stuff from uh, Shakespeare's Henry the Sixth with talking about, you know, the, it's it's very very good stuff. I'm very kill th- all the lawyers kind of stuff there. Exactly. Um, there's stuff about uh, you know the Beggar's Opera from 1728, and we go up to to radio plays um, up to the 1980s and the 1990s where you really started to see these jokes, you know, get worked into episodes of tv and and other stuff it's it's a great read um it's uh i, I did want to mention that um uh you know at the maybe maybe the 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 height of this was perhaps the 1990s when you heard a lot of these jokes and um we something we've talked about previously on the show uh, in the movie jurassic park in 1993 you know just to really typify this we had the, there was this sort of evil nebishy character who who ultimately is this horrible lawyer stereotype and he gets eaten by a dinosaur and it's sort of a laugh line in the movie you know it's, it's like, a terrifying yeah, it's like moment a but it's like line, right? but it's like <laughs> that guy sucked and he got eaten it was awesome <laughs> i um, feel like uh you know a little wish fulfillment of some movie producers there that probably had to deal with a lot of lawyers Yes. Uh, so everyone should go read Kara's story. It's great. It's called Professional Courtesy, A Short History of the Lawyer Joke. It's up on the site. Um, everyone will have a blast reading it. Kara's story is still on our website, and it is very good if somebody missed it earlier this year. Um, knowing we were going to talk about this, Alex, I did s- sort of poke around online for a couple minutes today thinking, oh, maybe I could find a funny lawyer joke to just add to the discourse here. Yeah, and, please. Uh, I did not. I failed in this task because they oh. all are basically either lawyers are liars or they're ambulance chasers. I couldn't find anything mm. that wasn't just straight in that mold. Well, I wasn't on that segment, so I I went looking for some of my own. I, I won't labor this much because we have other things to get to. But one of my favorites has always been, uh, what does a lawyer get when you give him a Viagra? Oh, no. Taller. <laughs> That is so stupid. Great. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I like um, I like the very anthropological approach that Kara took there. Always a treat to read her stuff. Um, next, though, um, we have something of an oddity. I think this uh, arose in the context of the eviction moratorium litigation. And that is a case that drew a lot of attention, including from some pretty obscure corners of the legal industry. We like to end our show with something offbeat, and Alex, I know you brought one for us today. Yes, so the tale of the pandemic has been quite long. Um, it lingers in our society, and the litigation continues apace. And so I don't think we should really be surprised to see some more obscure legal arguments unearthed, you know, sort of the longer that this goes on. And all of this is a long way for me to say that, um, yes, the time has come for us to do some Third Amendment talk. Finally. Can we? Wow. I mean. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Usually you only get the Third Amendment in a history class. So this is good. Well, I mean, I, I mean, should we maybe go over the parameters? I mean, okay. I mean, I think I think most people probably know the 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 Third Amendment is something is extremely obscure. And what you have to know is that it uh, bars the government from um, quartering a soldier uh, in any house without the consent of the owner 
uh, it's uh, real, in a time of peace. It's the real B side of the Do I have that Bill right, of Rights. Bill? You know, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. it's you just it's it feels like a vestigial organ or something. Um, yes. The reason we're talking about it this week, though, is that this came up in the context of the uh, CDC's, the Center for for Disease Control's. Um, sort of conditional extension of the COVID-19 eviction moratorium um, for, uh, you know, tenants who are renting, who could attest to their dial, uh, their, their dire financial uh, situation arising from the pandemic. This was one of the first sort of sweeping government actions taken during the pandemic. It has been extended a couple of times now with certain conditions tied to it. Um there are lots of parameters to this, but uh, most recently this drew a lawsuit from the Alabama Association of Realtors and the Georgia Association of Realtors. These are, of course, people who own property um, and feel as though, you know, the government giving safe harbor to tenants who can't pay their rent implicates um, various uh, constitutional issues. But the reason we're talking about it this week is that there was an amicus brief in that case filed by, wait for it, the Third Amendment Lawyers Association. Not a lot of work for the wow. uh, the old the old TALA these days, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ever since ever since the Monroe uh, administration, I think <laughs> things have been a little slow on the Third yes. Amendment beat. It's it's interesting. I and again, I don't want to. This sort of caught some flack on. Um, on like legal Twitter this week. And I don't like to like breathe too much life into that. Um, Cause again, this is an amicus brief. So I'm not, this is not really being argued by the parties in the case, but it is an interesting sort of uh, rumination on a very obscure area of the law. Um, but basically what this association, this, this, you know, vaunted uh, third amendment lawyers <laughs> association is saying is that, um, there are so many people being cordoned off, um, being, you know, sort of spared from rent payments that some of them must include soldiers. <laughs> wow. That then this might implicate the Third Amendment quartering sure. of soldiers thing. Here's oh, the here's the geez. here's the here's the operative quote from the from their amicus brief. Ordinarily, the eviction process would play out in the courts. The CDC eviction moratorium prevents this. Plaintiffs are being forced to house individuals, i.e. quarter them without <laughs> sure. their consent. Given the size of the population at issue, some of these tenants are bound to be soldiers. Now, I love whenever there's something in a legal filing that's like, well, I mean, some of this probably applies. Well, right? and they get, yeah, well, and they get away with this a little bit with the amicus part of it, right? Like the all they're doing is raising an interest sure, for an their issue. group, right? Well, and their issue. Um, I don't. I don't want to be really pedantic here, but uh, <laughs> please, should we talk go about the definition? They, they, they certainly are. So, <laughs> well, yes. I just feel like, can we talk about the definition of quartering? Because I don't think it means what they think it means. That's certainly right, Amber. And this obviously touched off a lot of this. A, a lot of people got in there, got in their jabs. I may or may not have tweeted out a picture of the Third Amendment uh, Lawyers Association, likening them to the "We demand to be taken seriously." Uh, Joe Bluth arrested development photo. <laughs> not good. a big deal. You did a good job. Th th thank you. Um, I'm now the person who recites their tweets on his podcast. <laughs> anyway, there's lots of. Interesting sort of legal, you know, sort of back and forth going is on there, here. Is there? 
I yeah, well, I mean, well, uh, well, at least there was for a couple hours on Wednesday. Okay, well, let's, if you'll, let's if you, talk if, about if, one if, of if the you'll cut me a break, people. Bill. Yeah, <laughs> Alex, I know you want to bring up one of the tweets from one of the more scholarly people. That yeah, yeah, this. the uh, the famous UCLA uh, law professor Eugene Volick uh, weighed in on this. He did a little blog on it, which got to what you were saying, Amber, about quartering. I mean, quartering already is kind of like a very antiquated type of term in this regard. Um, but he wrote um, a pretty interesting blog on reason that was that that really got to this, which was he said, quote, my first glance interpretation of quartering is that it refers to the government placing a soldier in some house, not some house being rented in his private capacity by someone who happens to be a soldier. So if my tenant happens to be a soldier and he forfeits my initial consent by failing to pay his rent and thus breaching the lease agreement, his continuing to live in my house does not involve his being quartered right i mean it seems like quartered is the you know is the key and it's the verb here that that you know it's that the government is acting in such a way that it impinges on your liberties it also seems crazy right that the cdc could in theory have written um an eviction moratorium that was like this applies to all citizens unless they're a member of the armed (laughs) services yeah i I hadn't thought about that that's that's i mean yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think the Third Amendment Lawyers Association respects the troops. I just, you know, it's that's where we're at, that they're, you know, this argument, anti-troop. I just I just want to know what they talk about when they're not doing this. I mean, like I said, I mean, I didn't know they existed until this week. Do they talk about, is it PR for the Third Amendment? Are they also, formulating legal those, theories? I don't know. Is this one of those things where it's an association, in quotes, and it's really just one guy? <laughs> No, these are all, I don't know. These are all these are all important <laughs> questions. Um, <laughs> yeah, that we're probably we're probably spending more time talking about this than the it would take to read all of the jurisprudence about the Third Amendment. I know that there <laughs> right. is yes, a shocking yeah. shockingly small number of of rulings on the Third Amendment. I feel really good about the pro se bingo card though because I didn't think we'd ever get Third Amendment marked off, and here we are. Well, you know, we're what whatever four and a half years in here, and we and we finally got to it. So that's something to hang our hat on, I think. I see what the problem is now. They were talking about quartering as a means of like dismemberment. That's what we were talking about. <laughs> oh, sure. It was a horror movie all along. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I always get a kick out of when the uh, when the weirdos show up in the docket. Uh, and that that is the lifeblood of the offbeat segment. A lot of a lot mean- of a lot of fun with that one. For me, the reason I like that one so much is that if there is such a thing as pro se bingo, that helped fill in that bingo slot of Third Amendment. And I don't know when else we would talk about it. Yep. There you go. Scratch that one off. this next story i want to revisit one that is definitely my favorite offbeat of the year and just sort of scratches an itch that i didn't know i had until we started pro se and that's for weird legal news from my home state and in this instance my hometown i know um a few years ago we talked about a bunch of scandal that was surrounding the west virginia supreme court some of that got kind of funny we talked about it a few Mm -hmm. times on the show 
And I just, I don't get opportunities all the time, but this one takes me back to Beckley, West Virginia. We like to end our show with something offbeat. And guys, today, I just, I want to tell you a story about Rodney and Julie Weaver. Okay. Rodney was Great. recently sentenced to two months in prison and six months of home confinement for his role in a conspiracy to obstruct justice. Sure. Um, sounds pretty run of the mill until you figure out what the conspiracy is exactly. And it was just, you know, your run of the mill faking of Julie's death at a national park. I love All right. It. Yeah. Now uh, it's it's it it can be sometimes a fraught process picking the offbeat story. You want it to be funny, but if people were injured or people, you know, there's a, there's a lot of considerations. So I do enjoy talking about a faked death. Uh, we are that, pro sure. fake death. That well, that as as content, yeah. Um, and that gives us a lot of room here. So it, like it does. And yeah. I want to give some credit to producer Steve who brought this one to us because he knew this was. Uh, just ideal for me. It's a wild conspiracy. I love talking about that kind of stuff. But right. it happened in my hometown. Wow. I'm so excited. Finally. This like, just like Springsteen. At home. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm bringing the greatest hits of Beckley, West Virginia. My so. death in the park. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So let me run back just a little before we get to the, the faking of her death. Um, Julie was arrested and charged in 2019 for healthcare fraud uh-huh. after she she did stuff like submitting some fake applications to the VA um, as part of like an overbilling scheme and they mm-hmm. figured it out. She was charged. She actually pleaded guilty to that in 2020 and just a few weeks before she was said to be sentenced, she and her husband decided to go with fake your death, run away. They can't send you to jail if you're dead. Um, or find that you. was uh, the logic. Sure. I mean, I you know that's the the, the next death I fake will be my first, but uh, but I <laughs> but I do know I, that much. I do think you have joked about this on the show, Alex. So maybe take some notes here about what not to do because it didn't uh, go particularly well okay, for them. That's the sound of my pen. Okay. Yeah, great. yeah. Take some notes here. So I want to start by just because this is my hometown, I want to give you a little context. Um, one of the great parts of West Virginia, I think most people know, is that it's got so much natural beauty. And an area near where I grew up is the New River Gorge. It's so beautiful there. There's a national park called Grand View, which obviously, you know, it has a grand view. It, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this like main overlook. And I actually looked this up to be sure I had the, the general numbers right. But it's about 1,400 feet above the river. So it's hmm. very high up. And it's, you guys will probably would know it even if you just saw a picture. It's a pretty famous one where you're like looking out at the mountains and you literally see the river like running around a mountain. You see like two bends of the river. It's, it's very mm-hmm. pretty. So I went there all the time as a kid. Um, this is where the wheelers decided to stage their big thing. Uh, Rodney called 911 from the National Park with a story about how Julie had been searching for a lost earring and had basically fallen off a cliff at the overlook. You gotta go. You gotta don't. You can't go so dramatic if you're. It's got. Well, you know, I really like the detail of like, oh, she's over there for a lost earring. Because in my mind, I'm imagining this place I used to go to all the time as a kid. And there are guardrails and some things to try to keep people off of the most dangerous rock outcrop areas. But of course, people always scramble over those barriers. And you really could have some pretty dramatic accidents there if you weren't careful. So um, I think that's some of where this comes from. Okay. I don't think they anticipated what would happen next. 
This, of course, resulted in a huge search and rescue effort. It was hundreds of volunteers, law enforcement, uh, personnel trained in actual searches and rescues in this area. Everybody came out to look for Julie. They sent helicopters from the Air National Guard and the West Virginia State Police, both sent helicopters. Repelling experts came out to the park, and they started repelling down the cliffs looking for her. Oh, man. Rescue dogs came out. They were scouring the grounds. It was like everything you can think of, anything you've seen in a movie, they basically did it all. Yeah, this went on for a couple well, of days. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, meanwhile, during this multi-day effort, Rodney gave a bunch of false statements because he was sticking to this plan. He even posted some stuff on Facebook about the uh, quote-unquote accident. Um, he said things like, I am heartbroken and lost right now, but I have to have faith. And then he asked people to keep Julie in their thoughts and prayers. I mean, it was a full performance from him. I think huh. you got you got to go ocean. If you're if you're going with this, right? I mean, <laughs> Lost at sea. clearly, yeah. this is a place where Lost a body could or could not be found. Like, right, it, right. You know, well, it's like my big yeah. question for you guys is, what do you think Julie was during this adventure? Because I really loved how this turned out. I'm going. I'm going billiard room. I'm going billiard room. That's nice. I'm, it's a good clue, guys. I'm gonna go with uh, <laughs> wearing a, a, a like a, a fake mustache and yeah, you'll grouch uh, your marks. <laughs> sure. <right. laughs> yeah. Well, if she was gonna disguise herself at all, she'd definitely wear two matching earrings. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am very much not a person who has lost an earring. <laughs> so good. here's where it turned out she was. Two days later, they found her in her house. Hiding in a closet. Oh, awesome. okay. Yep, right, just in her own house. Um, she had plans to run off with Rodney into like permanent hiding, but they were like waiting for things to sort of die down so he could get away with her as well. I love the um, disparity in the scope of the faked death versus yes. the hiding place. It's totally. like, yeah. it's Me like, too. oh my God, she fell off the Empire State Building <laughs> and she's hiding under the bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. That's basically the plan it. is like really half cooked. Yes. <laughs> so, in statements ultimately to state and federal investigators when this was all discovered, Rodney and Julie both admitted that they conspired to fake her disappearance. And of course, the reason was to avoid Julie's pending federal sentencing for that healthcare fraud. They were just trying to get her out of that. So, you know, that's kind of brings us up to date with where we are now and getting some sentences um, just to kind of cap out this conversation about it. I told you Rodney got a couple months in prison and then some home confinement. Julie was actually sentenced in February. She got 54 months in prison, and that's both for the healthcare fraud and also for faking her. Can I get can I get an itemized bill there? I mean, I like is <laughs> what how how much do you get for just straight up faking your own death? Because well, I, look, just, I mean, we I need mean, to figure I, this I'd out. I'd like to know so that, for future reference. Yeah, well, right. right. If you or Alex ever want to fake your death, we both you know take some lessons about not doing such a dramatic choice. Um, but also, we got to figure out what the penalty is just so you can assess whether or not it's worth it. I just wanted to say, I mean, I don't, I don't really support this uh, generally, but I, but I do want to give some shouts to our man Rodney. I mean, his wife was having some troubles, and this is, I mean, say what you want about what they did. I mean, he really, he really tried to help. I mean, this let's, is let's, good let's husband say stuff. That. True uh, yeah, love, I, mean, I guess. Sure. He's, 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 I mean, if if nothing else, he is committed to the wife guy cause, and for Guys, that, uh, I he have has my to, recognition. Yeah, I have to end this show and immediately go ask my husband if he's yeah. willing to help me fake my death. I mean, it feels like an important question, and I hope he gets the answer right. Good, I think, good, I think good he dinner would. Talk. I feel like he will, too. I'll let yeah. you guys know. I'll let you guys know what he says. All right. So, true to my word, um, right after that show, I 
had asked Andrew about this and then promptly forgot to mention it on a on a subsequent pro se episode. So before <laughs> Please close the loop. So before today's recording, I out of the blue um actually sent him a chat message because he was in his office, presumably working, and I felt like this was important enough to interrupt. Uh, <laughs> and I just said to him, if I've committed a crime and need to fake my death, will you help me? Didn't say this was in reference to anything podcast related. So hmm. he had no idea what I was talking about. I wanted to, him to come in cold. His exact response was, yes, but I'd figure it out very carefully. I would need, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed that he answered the question at all. I would ask for, I would immediately ask for more information. If my wife came to me with a with a question like that, I considered this a real mark of loyalty. So um, I was thrilled that he just immediately said he'd help me out. I mean, he'll never need to, but good to know that that's like tucked in my back pocket in case I need it one day. I mean, that's that's a sign of a good marriage. I think you should you should really you should really be proud of that. Okay, <laughs> there were lots of good stories, um, and this this is certainly not an exhaustive list. Feel free to go back through the uh, through the back catalog and uh, resurface some of your own. But to close us out, I wanted to talk about a law firm employee who got uh, a little over his skis with the uh, company credit card. We like to end our show with something offbeat. And Bill, I think you have one for us today. (laughs) I do. Um, And I'm just going to be upfront. I think this segment was entirely reverse engineered around wanting to say the phrase, quote, Men's butt-enhancing padded trunks. Just going to get it out of the way early. But enough about Christopher Maloney uh, in uh, uh, filming SVU. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Yes, this is a a crazy story. I am intrigued uh, what happened that will eventually get us uh, back around to that phrase again. Back around. Um, (laughs) uh, A former operations manager at Morris & Forster, a a fairly prominent law firm, Pled guilty this week to using the firm's corporate card to go on a $400,000 spending spree uh, on unauthorized personal purchases. $400,000. That's a a lot of money to spend. I would like to hear about the kind of person that can go on a $400,000 spending spree. What's what's the deal with this guy? Yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty thrifty guy. I think I would struggle to even find things to spend it on unless you're buying like, you know. You're thinking too small. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you buy a friggin' Lamborghini or something, right. you could do it, I guess. But uh, yeah. So it's a guy named Andrew Robertson who was hired in 2017 as um, uh, an office operations manager at at Mofo, which is I, we should say the way that the firm themselves uh, refer yes. to themselves. Which is that's that that's not us being glib. They hold themselves out that <laughs> they way. do that themselves. Yes. Uh, so s- since he was tasked with ordering office supplies, uh, the job came with access to a corporate credit card. Robertson began his unauthorized spending spree approximately two months after he had been hired, which, again, like, bold move. Uh, That is very bold because I've worked at Law360 for, uh, I'm I'm coming up on, like, seven years, and mm -hmm. uh, I have a corporate card here and uh, haven't put anything on it in months. No, I I mean... Doing it all wrong, I guess. I am a I asked follower. you, <laughs> yeah, right. I asked you to buy me some butt enhancing trunks a few <laughs> years ago, and you and you said no. I know. Um, and so, I'm such a killjoy. And, and that, well, no, I mean that's that's that that's principled management right there. And that's after that, we so. got over the litigation over that request, uh, <laughs> I was reinstated. 
So so he began this spending spree and he started shopping at Amazon and Crate and Barrel and Williams Sonoma. Um, he was buying stuff on Instacart and Fresh Direct, like groceries. Um, he spent forty five thousand dollars renting out a storage unit and presumably to store <laughs> all of the things he was buying. Uh, and something like two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars that he straight up just transferred to his personal PayPal account. That does help explain that $400,000 number, because if you're just straight up transferring cash, uh, you really get there a lot faster. So this guy... and we should say, I mean, all of this, he, he has pleaded guilty, So, but all of this is, is uh, you know, derived from from uh, federal prosecutors, things they okay. said he did. Standard caveat. But so Robertson apparently tried to cover his tracks. He was he changed the descriptions of items to office supplies. He had everything delivered to his house. Um, he called some stuff catering in his expenses, but um, uh, <laughs> it was unsuccessful. I like to think about him. I, I, I like to think about him in his apartment with a whiteboard that's like excuses for embezzlement <laughs> and just, cr- okay, catering, how much mileage can we get out of that? Uh, office supplies, the old $30,000 stapler, everybody knows about that. Uh, <laughs> the scheme yeah. did not work. So he was discovered uh, during an internal audit in October 2018, which again, all of this was in a very compressed time frame. Sure, um, yeah. That resulted in him getting fired. The issue was then clearly at some point referred to federal prosecutors who took it from there. Last week, Robertson uh, pled guilty to a charge of mail fraud. Um, He faces sentencing in August. Uh, MoFo, the firm, released uh, a statement after that welcoming this outcome, stressing that, quote, uh, Mr. Robinson's actions did not impact any of the firm's clients. Um, End quote. They, of course, wanted to make sure that none of these wacky purchases had been billed to any clients or anything like that. Well, Bill, let's do the thing that you've been angling for since the start of this segment, which is, can you just tell us all the crazy stuff he bought? Amber, thank you so much for asking. Just just take us through here. Uh, So he bought tons of shoes, first off. Um, He bought a a snake skin. I'm on board with him now. A snake skin sneaker from Gucci. Um, more than a dozen pairs of Nikes, uh, brown leather sneakers from Versace, and Ooh. a pair of Prada penny loafers. He also so bought he's a hype beast Prada shorts, uh, a Burberry sweater, which was of course cashmere. I mean, uh, <laughs> a Ferragamo belt, a bunch of stuff like this. But there's there's better stuff than just the sort of the the, the fashion items. He bought a ten carat gold pinky ring with a half carat diamond. He bought a um, pinky ring. That's great. Okay. He bought a Halloween costume with a wig and a tuxedo, which is <laughs> awesome. Great. Uh, weirdly enough, he bought a Jets cap, which is just uh, buying a Jets cap <laughs> with an embezzled funds is just <laughs> iconic Jet fan behavior. Wow. Love it. Uh, I mean, I have to say before you wrap this up, though, that I think maybe I'm slowly starting to like the embezzler because... I love shoes. I love Halloween. That fashion sounds fun. He seems like a blast. Sure. I mean, I mean, Andy Robertson, look, if you're listening, we support your moves. Just you got to use your own money. Yes. Exactly. Um, the brazenness is real. I mean, just he just he just did the thing. I mean, he did. Yeah. Yeah. just went right for it. That's, uh, the, that's okay. the move of a man that owns a pinky ring, I think. Sure. True. Um, finally, last but certainly not least. Uh, he bought what prosecutors listed as, quote, men's butt-enhancing padded trunks from a company 
that it's called, and 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 this is true, rounder bum. Hmm. <laughs> so Look, you know. We've talked about how there can be false advertising, but that is truth in advertising. That is a well-named company. You get what they say they are. Look, fellas, if you're out there and you've got access to a company credit card and you feel like your tush just isn't there, you know, maybe head over to Rounderbum. Uh, they're not sponsoring the show, uh, but they seem like a company that might. I mean, I wonder if he I wonder if he put on the Versace shoes and the Nikes and was asking people and also the trunks oh, the, and, yeah, said, sure. and said and said, do these shoes make my ass look big and see if people would tell him the truth or not. Right. Right. It's like a friendship, you know, the great thing about revisiting that segment at this time of year is that it doubles both as an interesting and funny legal news story. And also uh, a last minute uh, Christmas gift uh, idea list. So it, abs it absolutely does, Alex. I was, you know, in listening back back to that one, I, I was going to ask you if there comes a time in your life where you break bad and you are going on an embezzling spending spree, what would be the top thing you would have on your list? What are you going for? Not really sure that it's so wise to say this into a microphone that is going to be placed on my company's platform. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't, um, you know, I don't really want for a lot. I'm not a very covetous person. Um, I'd probably get like, I'd probably get like a couple tickets to a Nets game or something, which is boring. Such a measured answer. I've thought about this too, because as- I was going to say, you ask me because you know. Why don't, why, well, don't, why don't you tell us? Well, the reason I started thinking this way is that I clearly really identified with this embezzler when he was buying a bunch of shoes. And, okay. you know, yeah. as I record this right now, I'm doing it from my house where we're doing this recording remote. And behind me, you see my wall of shoes. I'm in I my see closet. it. I see it every week. So uh, that's the obvious answer for me. But then I thought, like, well, if you're going to do it and you're probably going to get caught, I guess you've something's cracked with you and you're going to go bold. So art, I think. I think I'd like to be the person that like, oh, suddenly yeah. bought like a crazy like Warhol print or something. Yeah, that's a good call. Then you're an art thief, but you didn't even risk. Yeah, you didn't even have to break into a museum or that's anything. Right. You're that's right. a, you're the world's laziest art thief. You just <laughs> used embezzled corporate money. I'd probably, you know what? I'd probably redo my home entertainment center. That's that's okay. that's probably my uh, that's that's my actual answer. I've been kind of putting that off for a while, and if I had carte blanche. I'd probably I'd probably go beast at Best Buy um, and just and just go hog wild on some on a, on a new TV and sound system. If a nice sound system ends up in your house or uh, well, see, anybody comes over and sees some this great question. art yeah. in my house, then really they should question us because we've committed <laughs> to what we're doing here. Yes. Shouts to our shouts to our pinky ring king for the inspiration. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun revisiting all of these stories with you today, Alex. I hope the listeners have enjoyed it too and that everybody has a really safe and delightful holiday. Um, really appreciate everybody tuning in. That goes double for me. Thanks a lot, Amber. We'd also like to thank our producers, Kelly Marcano and Stephen Trader, our graphic designer, Chris Yates, Music for our show comes from Silent Partner and Kelly Marcano. And if you like Pro Se, do leave us a review. It helps other people find our show. If you want to read more about any of the things we've talked about, including all these funny things from today, we've got a lot of news stories that will make you laugh. So head on over to law360.com slash podcast. Thanks and see you back here next year. <laughs>